What's up, everybody? It is week seven here past the Ides of October. This is Big Blue Avenue. I'm Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Sam Cardona, also known as the girl who talks sports. Sam, how are you doing tonight? Tough Sunday night football game, but we're back midweek. We're ready for week seven. Yeah, tough, tough Sunday night loss. Honestly, one of the tougher losses of the year just because of the hope that came with that game. Um, I got to give so much props to that team. I think they played a lot harder than we expected them to. Um, it was a lot closer of a game than we expected. Uh, yeah, it was crazy, crazy game, but it was a good game nonetheless, which is always what I'm hoping for. Definitely a great game that exceeded our expectations. You know, we yeah. spoke with Greg last week about that, and it was interesting to to note that the team only lost by one yard, essentially that. Literally. It was definitely crazy to see. But, Sam, what, what was your first key takeaway from this game uh, on Sunday night? There was definitely a lot. And there was a lot more good than usual in these losses we've been seeing. Yeah, I was super proud of our defense. Um, I think Wink Martindale like must have studied this Bills offense down to a T because they did such a great job. You know, we'll get to our player of the week in just a little bit, but I was so happy with the way they were playing. I mean, the fact that they we almost shut out or yeah, like we shut out the Bills in the first half, which is not something that people see a lot of the times. So um all around great. The offense really stepped it up there. You know, this broken offensive line seemed to just give those few times that there was, I think a whole drive that was like almost all runs. Maybe there was one or two throws like, and I was just so pumped about it. And just seeing that and seeing, you know, we're always in shambles and things start to go better for us somehow. So whenever we do fall to these low points, like these guys really step it up. And if they just played the way they play, when we're in shambles, we would be a really good team. But nonetheless, I think my biggest takeaway, though, was how well this defense was really playing. Yeah, uh, the defense played very, very well. In fact, over the last four weeks, the defense has played very well. We take a look at what Wink has done. They've blitzed a lot less. They've somewhat have gone away from their identity. Uh, they forced six turnovers over the past two weeks, three against Miami and three against the bills. Fortunately, the offense has been the problem. They've been unable to come up with any type of points, a touchdown for that matter. Um, I don't think the giants have scored an offensive touchdown since week three now, which is definitely concerning uh, beyond concerning, but back to the defense, Sam, to piggyback off your point, the defense has allowed less than 300 total yards, folks, in two of the last three games. And we're talking about not just your average Joker, uh, Joker NFL teams. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills who have a combined record of nine and three. So this defense is really, really playing hard. And I think it all starts with what Greg talked about last week. Dexter Lawrence, pressure up the middle, and then Bobby O'Karake. I mean, that's that that linebacker that we've been needing all these years. I mean, I feel like it took a little bit to like kind of get his ground a little bit or, or get into his rhythm. But now that we're seeing it and now maybe Wink Martindale is kind of working with it a little bit better. I mean, look at these two guys. McFadden and Okereke are going to be an amazing, amazing duo for us. I'm like so pumped to see our defense on the field now. Sorry, that was a nice little shot that I saw online of both of them. I'm like, oh, I got to put this up during the show. It's cool. It's really cool. You and I have both talked about on this show in previous years how the Giants can't cover tight ends, and it seems like the Giants finally have linebackers who can cover. So turning around the style, happy to see that. For sure. Um, Folks, quickly, before we dive too far into it, uh, make sure to check us out on all of our social media. We'll have a guest on a little bit later tonight when we get to the Commanders-Giants preview and Marty Joins, recurring guest of the team. Very excited to have him on. Appreciate all of your support. My dad with a comment uh, from Florida, what's going on? Uh, Giants can't let Justin Pugh go. He played a great game. I see they signed the Falcon and Philly linemen. Uh, you are correct. Uh, Sam, I'll let you go over this as uh, have, I have a little background noise. 
<laughs> yeah, all good. So yeah, we signed Tyree Phillips. Um, and Justin Pugh made his uh, debut, and he's been signed to the 53-man roster, uh, which has been um, – I think Justin Pugh is a great fit uh, for the Giants. I'm so sad that he ever left the team in the, to begin with. And Tyree Phillips, he he was on the practice squad. Then he went to the Phillies practice squad. Now we signed him back because we need that offensive line help. Um, and we signed Josh Miles from the Falcons. Uh, so we're getting a lot of offensive line help, which is really great. So I'm I'm stoked. I loved the way Justin Pugh played. I loved his Sunday Night Football intro. Did you hear him say Justin Pugh right off the couch instead of saying his college? I was I like so happy with that. So I don't know if you caught his presser today with the media. It was literally just posted like an hour ago when I was watching it. It was like five, six minutes long. And he's talking to the reporters and he's like, well, Literally last Sunday night, I was sitting on the couch watching football. And then the next week, he's here. He's, you know, he's elevated, reverts back to the practice squad, but then gets signed to the 53-man roster just two days later. And the idea apparently came from Jalen Mayfield and Tommy DeVito. Because <laughs> DeVito and Mayfield were both active or for the first time for a primetime game. Um, Tommy DeVito, of course, because of the Daniel Jones injury. Yeah. And Pugh was originally going to go with fresh off the couch. But I think it was Mayfield that said, go with or straight off the couch. And then Pugh was like, that's it. That's what I'm going with. I love love the candidness from him, too. Yeah, no, you can tell. You can tell he's like happy to be back. You can tell like he's stoked that he was his first game back was a Sunday night game against the Bills, like a huge game for the Giants. And he played great. And he and like, yes, we we need these main guys back. We need Andrew Thomas back. And but to have people like Justin Pugh, Tyree Phillips, Josh Miles coming in, like I'm feeling like a little bit more comforted with this offensive line because before this, it was just you you could have put nobody on the field; it would have been the same outcome. So I, I'm I'm feeling a little, which is always scary, a little bit more confident. Um, but huge fan of Justin Pugh. Talk about the offensive line as a whole, though, Sam. So it started with Azudu at left tackle, Pugh at left guard, Bredesen at center, Glowinski back at right guard. So McKeithen mm-hmm. got benched, and then Neil at right tackle. You know, Glowinski possibly could have earned a starting rollback if he continues to play like this. Outside of week one, he has not looked like garbage uh, when he's been thrown out there, which is, you know, promising. You can't go any more south than garbage. So <laughs> um, I thought Neil was okay. And Pew, like, again, there were errors at left tackle, like you had a couple false starts on, on the road, but that's expected, right, when you're not on a team for, for so long. Um, Pew allowed just one pressure against Leonard Floyd on 14 pass blocking snaps at left tackle, not to mention Pew played all 77 offensive snaps. Yeah. Yeah, like like I said, you know, but I mean, when you're on the couch the week before and then you're playing Sunday night football a week later, like you're going to have a few issues here and there. It's not going to be a smooth sailing thing. So I'd like to think that if he was playing like that, you know, after a week on the team, you know, the the more he's there and the more he's practicing and the more that he's with the line, you know, you'd like to think that he's going to get better as he goes. That's the goal. Um, specifically, he stated this along with Tyrod Taylor, who started the game, that the Giants need to be much better in the red zone. Mm-hmm. The clear difference of this game, 0 for 5 for the Giants, 2 for 2 for the Bills. Uh, the Giants average just under 12 points per game this year. That is dead last in the National Football League. But I will say, Sam, Wandale's looking good across the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt got more reps. It looks like the Giants shortened their wide receiver uh, room on Sunday night, as in they didn't play Paris Campbell on offense. They didn't play Sterling Shepard. They really kept it with Slayton, Wandale, and Hyatt, and then occasionally sprinkled in Hodgins. Right, right. I I was happy with hearing Wandale's name. Like, you know, we we use his draft pick on him and Jalen Hyatt as well, and, you know, we weren't seeing a lot from them. So I'm happy to see that, 
they were utilizing them and and doing what I thought they were going to bring Cole Beasley in to do, which was you know getting on the middle and and, and taking those hits and catching the ball where where we needed to be. But I was a little sad we didn't get to see Cole Beasley. But you know it is what it is. I'm happy to see Wandale. I'm happy to see you know Jalen Hyatt. Um, I, I'm. I, we have to give props to Tyrod too. I mean, he had his mishaps. He had a major mishap, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I was really impressed with him. Like, I don't think there would be any sort of controversy of him and DJ. But, like, he's a solid backup to have. And he's always been a great quarterback. So I'm happy that he was able to come in and, like, do his job and, like, almost win us a game, basically, which is really impressive. So he's he's one of the top three best backup quarterbacks in the league. It's very possible. Um, yeah, I know he's older now. Um, again, he looked good at times. You know, he kept us in the game. Part of it could have been he knew Buffalo like an open book. That could have been part of it. But that one red zone wonder definitely cost us the game. You know, you can't put your team in a position where the officials have the opportunity to, you know, make a call like that late in the game and you can't come back and win because you screwed yourselves over, uh, you know, hours before at the end of the first half, that final play when they audible to a run play. Dable's giving him an airfall on the sideline. It, it made no sense at all. You shouldn't have to tell a 13, 14-year veteran to not call a run play in that situation. That's just how I view it. Yeah. And I'm curious, do you think there was an option play called or was it an audible by Tyrod? Because if there was um, an option play called, like why call an option play at all? Like why not just call the throwing play? I think the option play was called, but they just anticipated Taylor would just pass the ball and know to do that. But then Mm -hmm. Taylor went to the running play in that option. So, again, I mean, you could fault several parties here, you know, Shea Turney, Kafka, even Dabes. But it's just if Jones is in there under center, that just doesn't happen. That that doesn't happen as much as people like to talk about Daniel Jones, this, that, the other thing, you know, pressuring himself into sacks more than Taylor does. All right, cool. But at the end of the day, Barkley was back. Yeah. Uh, he was in there. That helped elevate everyone's play. Uh, Glowinski took a step forward. Bredesen's not a center, but he's average. He's an average offensive lineman. That's all you need, really, at that position. So, yeah, the Giants were bound to look better. They were bound to look better on Sunday night football. So I think we can argue, Sam, that moving forward, it'll be interesting to see how the defense looks. You know, Deontay Banks had a a solid game. There was some chippiness. But what gives me hope is a guy like a Bobby Okereke and Mm -hmm. what he's done. Um. You know, and I'm proud to say that back to back weeks now, he is our New York Giants player of the week. Uh, Sam, thank you for the edits on this graphic. Walk us through why we went with Bobby O uh, two weeks in a row here. Yeah. So we went, yeah, I didn't even change the, the photo, the name. I, I just had to change the bullet points here this week. Um, and we were talking about this while the game was going on. We were between Bobby O and McFadden, who were obviously two of the stars of, of last week's game, but 11 tackles, two tackle for loss, forced fumble, two pass deflected, uh, 27 coverage snaps, five targets uh, versus the Bills, and two receptions allowed for 11 yards two forced incompletions, and a 47.9 pass rating. Uh, His PFF grade was 90.8, which is great. And this past year, 20, I'm sorry, 53 tackles, five tackle for loss, five pass deflected, two forced fumbles, one interception, a 51.7 passer rating allowed, and a partridge in a pear tree. So Bobby O is our player of the week this week. Very excited for him and Mike McFadden too. Yeah. who had a PFF grade slightly below Bobby O, second best on the team. And Bobby O was named to the PFF team of the week, rightfully so. Um, very excited for those two moving forward, making some great plays. You know, the 
the fumble recovery by McFadden, the interception by McFadden, both set up by Bobby Okereke. Beautifully done. Uh, any final thoughts on this Buffalo game, Sam? I mean, there might be some slight tea between McDermott and Dable. The handshake was very brief and like, yeah, whatever, get out of my face type of thing. Yeah. And that's really all I've got. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, you know, maybe something happened there. There might have been something going on. You know, it is versing like your old job, basically. Um, but I know him and Josh Allen were really tight. They walked out of the building together. Um, and honestly, great from the Giants. If we're looking at this in terms of the other side, like the Bills really weren't the Bills in this game either. And the fact that the Giants were able to to do something like that that's what's impressive to me so uh you know i was you know i think we were saying in our score productions that this was going to be a huge blowout so um to have a 14 to 9 game on sunday night football against josh allen and, and the bills it's it's impressive so like i said i'm sad that we lost it was a heartbreaking loss because of that obvious holding call that should have happened on darren at the in the red zone there um I wish I wish it was different. I wish we were having a different conversation this week, but I like to see the fight, and that's all I care about. Yeah, that's one you have to call, but in my opinion, the Giants lost the game long before that. That's very true. Um, but let's move on. We have some Week 7 transactions to go over. So the Giants are obviously 1-5, which is not where you want to be. But I do think this game provides some hope moving forward. Um, that the Giants can win games in the later portion of this season where the schedule softens up a little bit. you got the Commanders this week who have one of the worst back sevens in the NFL. You have the Jets. You have the Raiders. Jimmy G just, he unfortunately, he went to the hospital this past week with a back injury he suffered during the game. So you could possibly get Aiden O'Connell that week. Um, rookie out of Purdue. So there is strong possibilities here, but the Giants continue to shuffle the offensive line, Sam. Nobody is safe. No one, except for Andrew Thomas, of course. Yeah. Um, Jalen Mayfield was waived. Uh, Tyre Phillips signed back off the Eagles practice squad after getting cut by the Giants late August. Phillips started five games for us last year. They signed Josh Miles from the Falcons practice squad, who's played in 17 career NFL games. He made Atlanta's initial 53, got released, signed back to the PS. Unfortunately, Josh Azudu placed on IR with a toe injury. He'll miss the next four weeks at least. This is his second IR stint in two years, Sam. Obviously, he missed the end of last year with a neck injury. And Dable mentioned in his presser today that he is not sure if Azudu will come back this season to to play your thoughts on this i mean not the most you know stressed out i've been about an injury to be quite you know to be honest with you um just because of all this backlogging that we are doing with the offensive line but you know it kind of sucks just because we were kind of just getting into this rhythm with this offensive line and there have been hiccups throughout it. And obviously, so for Zudu to get hurt right now and to miss at least the next four games, like the, the, the synergy and everything with this line, it's just, it's broke. It's getting broken up again. So hopefully we can stay pretty consistent with the guys that are going to be on this line, because if you're not all on the same page, that's when the mistakes happen. That's when the quarterback gets injured and we don't need another injury from Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor. Although, although we would see Tommy DeVito, I'd be kind of excited about that. But that's just – I don't want to see anybody get hurt, though. Yeah. No, I'm with you 100%. Um, so Azudu is off right now on the IR. Uh, the Carolina Panthers claimed Alex Cook safety off the Giants practice squad, reported by Dan Duggan. And then Justin Pugh obviously signed to the Giants' 53-man roster. They waived Lawrence Cager. Dable hopes they can get him back if he clears through waivers. That leaves the Giants with only two active tight ends on the roster in Waller and Bellinger. So obviously you have you have Myrick on season-ending IR. You have Tommy Sweeney, who's still on the uh, non-football injury list. Yep. 
And now you got Cager, who may or may not get claimed. The Giants have two tight ends on the practice squad already with Tyree Jackson and Ryan Jones. So I don't know what's going to happen with Cager. I think he doesn't bring much, Lawrence Cager. He's usually a healthy scratch. He's usually inactive. He's a he's a weaker ver- – not weaker, but a less exciting version of Darren Waller, to put it nicely. So. Yeah. But I'm happy they cleared that space for Justin Pugh. It is much needed. It yeah. is much needed. 100%. I agree. Now I want to get your uh, opinion on this. Daniel Jones throwing at practice today, talking to the doctors, uh, very optimistic himself about wanting to play on Sunday. But obviously it is up to the doctors. He has not been cleared for contact yet. What do you think of this? Um, obviously it's going to be a day by day thing. I'll be at the game on Sunday. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but right now I'm still trending towards Tyrod Taylor getting possibly one more start. Right. Um, so I did hear Daniel Jones. So he's on Kay Adams show every week. Um, so I always tune in to see Daniel Jones and he did say that he is experiencing some symptoms still, but has told medical staff that he's feeling better and that he'd like to play. Um, But honestly, it didn't give me a lot of hope that it would happen this Sunday. Kind of seems like there's still a few things that, you know, I don't want him to go in too early either. You know, I'll take one more, one more week with Tyrod, but I would expect hopefully the next two weeks he's, you know, he's good to go. But with a neck injury, it's tricky, you know, because that, that could lead to some more, horrible things, horrible injuries um, within your brain, your spinal cord, and all that kind of stuff. So with something like this, I definitely want to make sure that he's 100% ready to go, not like 85 90%, because that's when, you know, especially with this rearranging crazy offensive line right now, we cannot afford for Daniel Jones to get hurt and have a season-ending season surgery, injury, whatever. I would love to see Jones start the game Sunday, folks. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, as Sam was just saying, you want him to be 100%. You don't want him to not look like himself out there. Uh, Kevin with a comment. Enjoy the game. Let's hope Jones starts the game. Yeah, Abby, we'll we'll see what happens, Kevin. Day-by-day scenario right now. I, I won't be too down if Tyrod Taylor starts. You know, he's not a bad quarterback like Sam was saying one of the better backup QBs in the National Football League for sure. Um, But anyway, quick synopsis here before we bring up Marty, our Washington Commanders fan, very excited to talk with him once again. He's already backstage. Um, Legacy week this week, Sam. The Giants will be wearing the old school helmets again, but with the blue this time, the home blue, the color rush. Big fan of that. Big fan. Um, I actually think we saw that last year with the Bears, didn't we? That week four. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did, and I was so stoked about it because I think I first of all I love the white color rush. It's one of my yeah. favorite uniforms that they wear. But I think that our helmet should have changed back to that Giants logo forever. I don't. I I could care less about the NY, like how it's on my banner here, my my pennant yeah. Giants. It's I love it so much more. Yeah, this, I mean, as much as I love this sweat, this sweatshirt, I don't know if this is a good, first off, I hate to say this, the Giants play in New Jersey, so it <laughs> might just be better to have the Giants on. The right. Mm-hmm. Plus the Giants were more successful with the Giants on the helmet. But any, anyway, um, they, we, we did win two with, with the NY though. We did win two. Um, Commanders favored by two and a half on the road. Obviously, they have the better record at three and three. However, the Giants lead the all-time series 106-71 to five. Giants have won six of the last nine. Commanders have lost three out of their last four games. So obviously, we mentioned how the Giants lost to the Bills by five. The Commanders lost to the Bills 37 to three and then lost to the Bears 40 to 20 on Thursday night football. They That's beat right. the Cardinals, as did we. They also beat the Broncos and the Falcons. They beat the Falcons this past Sunday. Sam Howell threw three touchdown passes. He looked pretty good. Um, 
but they just had on their 200 total yards of offense the big key cognition to them winning, Sam, likely the turnovers they forced, the three Desmond Ritter turnovers they forced. So the commander's defense, that front four still scares me. They're all former first-round picks. Um, uh, I'm definitely a little nervous, but I just want your initial thoughts here before we bring up Marty. Yeah, I honestly, I'm the, the commanders have surprised me so much this year. I was fully expecting them to be kind of the same old commanders that we've always seen. But while Sam Howell does have his moments where things are, don't go great, like sometimes they look really good. And there have been times where I've been like, this team's better than us right now, especially in those first couple games of the season. I was like, ooh, the commanders look really good. Um, but she's like just hearing the fact that we were able to have a 14 to nine game and they had a 37 to three game against the bills. That's a huge difference. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very interested in this game. I feel like it's going to be a pretty good divisional game for us. They always are. They're always awesome games to watch, um, regardless of outcome. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm excited to see this is a Nick Gates and David Mayo revenge game for Washington, two former Giants. I say it every single year. Well, now, unfortunately, I have to say it to Gates. I would take Nick Gates back in a heartbeat to start at center for this offensive line. Um, Yeah, very excited for that. But without further ado, let's bring up our guest for the evening, Commander Marty. Marty joins Marty. Hey. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for the invite again. Always good to talk about Giants Commanders. Awesome, awesome. And before we get started, just want to say congratulations. I know you've had a new addition to the family yes. over the thank past you couple very much. months. So congrats. Yes, thank you. We uh, we had a little daughter seven weeks ago, um, Rosalie. She's uh, big, happy, and healthy. So keeping us on our toes, especially during football season. So. She was four and zero, or three and zero, I should say, in the preseason. <laughs> then two and zero, so she looked undefeated until we ran into those Buffalo Bills. <laughs> ah. <laughs> hey, we know it all too well. We know, yes. you know, we just we just saw that loss on Sunday night. Um, but let's talk about the Commanders. Um, so obviously, as I was saying right before, they've been surprising me this year. I don't know if they've been surprising you or not, but they are three and three. Uh, what have been some of the several like key takeaways to some of these games and, and how these wins are going for you guys so far? Yeah, so it's simple. Uh, one word, it's turnovers. Um, when we produce turnovers, uh, we win. Ron Rivera in his tenure here, four years with the Commanders. If his team gets a turnover in that game, we've only ever lost twice um, in his four-year span here, one of them being to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Josh Allen threw a a punt-like pass on a third and long. So was it a true turnover? No. Um, So really looking at it, if our defense can get a turnover, we win. Um, and we were able to do that last week. Desmond Ritter is just not a starting caliber NFL quarterback. It's a get-right game. It was a get-right game for this defense. Two of those interceptions were, you know, I felt like I could have got them. <laughs> and, you know, we and so it, it's turnovers for us this season. If we can produce them, we can win. No, absolutely. I agree. Your defense definitely has a knack for causing them. Uh, Kendall Fuller with the two interceptions, although he did not practice today. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to talk to you about Sam Howell because I want your insight on Howell as a Washington fan because we all know what the outside perception has been. Oh, it's Sam Howell. He's a day three NFL draft pick, right? But Sam Howell has the ninth most passing yards in the NFL through six weeks. What have you liked so far from Sam Howell at quarterback? And could he potentially be the guy for this team moving forward? I certainly believe so. As his stature is not big, his arm talent is. Um, The senior bowl, the Reese senior bowl, very popular for a lot of quarterbacks uh, to get their name out there. He had the highest spin rate on the ball. What does that mean? Um, If you think about who he beat in that, that was Josh Allen. So that means he's got a cannon, and he does. He can rip the ball down the field. 
Uh, even though, again, at 6'1", uh, he moves very well in the pocket and can rip it. Um, I really do think that there's a future here. Not saying he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not going to say that, but competent starter in the NFL. He certainly has shown that. And being only six weeks into Eric Bieniemy's sort of complex offense, I really like what I'm seeing so far. I mean, you've also just incorporated Eric Bieniemy into your coaching staff. How how much do you think that he has improved this offense this year? Uh, I, he has certainly improved us in the sense of uh, being more uh, just adapted to the new times. We ran an, a very old school style under Scott Turner, North Turner's son. It was run, run, pass. It was very not innovated. Eric Bieniemy has innovated us. With Sam Howell, growing pains certainly with that uh, 34 sacks this year. He's on pace to break David Carr's record with the Houston Texans, um, getting sacked almost 100 times this season is what he's on pace for. So if we can clean up those mistakes, he certainly can lead this offense into a top 15 tier. I like that. I do like that a lot. And you have the receivers to do it as well. Certainly. I want to talk to you about the coach, though, the man in charge, Ron Rivera. You know, still there entering, I believe this is year number four for Ron now with Washington. So how has he done thus far with the new ownership? Obviously, it's a new day in Washington. A lot of people are excited about it. Um, A lot of people expect Rivera to kind of be on the hot seat, but he quietly keeps this team in the mix. What is your current mindset on Ron Rivera as Washington's head coach? Uh, I think regardless of how the outcome ends this season, he's in a lose-lose. If we don't make the playoffs, we win four games, he's gone, right? And if we win 10 games and Sam Howell looks great, there's no way they're going to let Eric Biennemi walk out the door. And it seems like Ron Rivera's tenure here in Washington the last four years, he's always been in a lose-lose. He comes in under the Dan Snyder regime. He has to deal with a team name change, scandals. Now we're getting a whole new coaching staff, a whole new ownership. It just feels like it was always stacked up against him here. And unfortunately, I don't believe he's going to make it through regardless of what he does. I commend him for what he's done for us the last four years. Although some of his game management and game management styles, just I felt that he missed out on. Uh, just a great guy. The players love him. And I'm sure he'll get another opportunity somewhere else after this year. I just don't think it'll be in Washington. Yeah, I love Ron Rivera. I think that he's he's always done well when he was in Carolina and then when he was in Washington. You know, it sucks that he's kind of like on the decline now. But um, But let's talk about the offense a little bit more. Jahan Dodson is somebody that I think that this team has been really trying to be reliant on but has been struggling a bit this year. Why do you think that is? Uh, Jahan Doxson last year under that Scott Turner offense was a big red zone target for us. He had eight red zone targets um, throughout last season in 2022. And it doesn't sound like much, but for a 5'10 receiver who missed six games, um, the volume was there. He was very good in the red zone, scored against the Giants there that last week, twice when we played them in 2022, I believe. But this year, only one true red zone target came against the Eagles last second play where we actually were able to score and tie it up. So he has the potential to be a great red zone target. We just haven't seen him there yet. He had a crucial drop last week, a big play, would have gained 30-plus yards, just couldn't handle it. And that's not Jahad Dotson, and that's not who he is. We've talked; They have talked all week down there on getting him more involved into the game plan, but uh, right now, Curtis Samuels is playing awesome. Ter- Terry McLaurin's Terry McLaurin, and the resurgence of Logan Thomas in the middle has really helped the passing game. It just seems like right now he's the odd man looking out, but I'm hoping that they get him involved a little bit more because his route running abilities is very, very good. Yeah, it's it's an exciting offense. It can be very prolific and high scoring. Um, I want to talk to you defensively though your front line always continues to be the biggest strength but how has chase young looked so far 
after only playing three games last season. Yeah, it's, it, it's not fair for Chase Young. Uh, again, a lose-lose situation for this guy as well, right? We took Chase Young over the likes of Tua Tagovola, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, just to name three of those great quarterbacks in that 2020 draft. But regardless, his win rate this year is great. If you look at the stats, the analytics, he's getting there. He's just not finishing. And that's a frustrating part for us as a fan base, as a number two overall going into his fifth year. It's just not completing. We're not seeing the Miles Garrett, TJ Watt type numbers and ability to affect the game. And like you mentioned, there's three other first round draft picks on that defensive line. He's seeing a lot of one-on-one with offensive tackles that I feel he should be dominating. It just seems like that he's just on the cusp of doing that. He just hasn't gotten there for us. And again, with Chase Young and those three other picks, he might be the odd man looking out at the end of the year. Yeah. And that sucks too, because Chase Young just has been getting kind of the crappy end of the stick in terms of injuries and his (laughs) entire career. Um, But talking about defense, Cody Barton, uh, he's ninth in the NFL with 59 tackles. Uh, So what are your thoughts on the addition of him and then having him paired up with uh, Jamin Davis? Yeah, so both of our linebacking core has not been the strength of this defense. Uh, Hasn't been since Ron Rivera, which is surprising as Carolina days with Luke Keekley. I thought for sure he would solidify that. Cody Barton came over in the offseason from Seattle. 50, like you said, he's got a lot of tackles. Um, but coverage-wise, he cannot be found. Um, the middle of the field is basically wide open. Jamin Davis, first-round pick a few years ago, uh, thought he had a lot of promise, just a lot of upside. He's still learning being in his third year, though. It's surprising he hasn't taken that next step, but they're starting to gel a little bit there. They, they had Both of them had their best games by far this year against the Atlanta Falcons. Jamin Davis with interception. Cody Barton was – you know, actually in the passing game and helping in that middle. But they're definitely going to have to continue to play like that if we want to even be competitive uh, in the rest of the way going forward. Yeah, and we know who their backup is, former Giant, who we know he can't handle one-on-one ISO coverage. He's great in the run game. but No, yeah, he's a <clears throat> he's a great special teams player, but uh, yeah. he's on the field defensively for us. We're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, great guy, David Mayo, but uh, again, just we like we like him where he's at on special teams. <laughs> no, absolutely. I want to talk to you about your first round pick, Emmanuel Forbes. Again, a lot of people thought this was somewhat of a reach. I. I don't like to use the term reach loosely, Marty, but in this scenario, I think that term is a little bit fair considering who was on the board. Um, you know, I'm, this might be a little biased, but Deontay Banks, who was taken after him, has looked really, really good um, for us, surprisingly. Um, what were your thoughts on the pick of Forbes? And obviously, he's been benched right now. Um, yeah. What has led to these early struggles? He, he's just – it's uh, – his draft grade, great ball skills, great sense, but technique was off. And that's what we're seeing right now. These technical wide receivers are cutting him up. And when they're physical, A.J. Brown took him to the woodshed. He was awesome in Philly. Nine catches, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, it's definitely a technique issue. Ron Rivera has said that multiple times, and that's what comes with the benching. I see him playing snaps on Sunday, but I don't see him starting. I don't see him being uh, a key piece on this defense. When we did pick him, like you said, there was a lot of other corners on the board. Uh, Christian Gonzalez and Deontay Banks, we passed on both for this guy. Why? He had 13 interceptions in college, and he is the all-time pick six leader in collegiate history. So he comes with the accolades. He's just struggling right now um, with very good wide receivers. He's played some good ones, but it's just not not first-round talent right now. And he's got a long way to go before he can start being on the field consistently. Talking about the other side of things, though, uh, Cameron Curl has been somebody who's kind of been emerging and – yeah, you got him on. We're rocking on the him tonight. There. I picked what, him up in fantasy. Yeah, what's, uh, what's been impressing you with him so far mm-hmm. this year? Ever since Cameron Curl came on the defense, seventh round pick, 2020, uh, plugged him in, and he's a plug and play guy. He is uh, 
a Bill Belichick do your job. He is always where he's supposed to be every single week. Are other guys where they're supposed to be? Absolutely not. That's why we're, we're getting beat. But if we, if you had 11 Cameron curls on defense, you would be pretty darn good. He's solid. Little injury history, a little injury problem last year, but that was the only time in his three, four years here. And again, he's just a solid player, always there, not afraid to hit, can cover. Um, he's a free agent this coming season. Not sure what the market looks like for him. I'm sure somebody's willing to going to pay him top five safety money. I don't believe he's a top five safety in this league. Just due to the fact that, again, he doesn't produce the turnovers. Solid player, but doesn't go above and beyond. So um, I don't know. I'm scared about his future in Washington with all the other additions we've had on defense. Um, But he's going to be a great player in this league for a long time because he does his job. Absolutely. Um, I like Cameron Curl a lot. (laughs) He uh, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely lucky to have a safety like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we know as far as like Washington goes, there are some holes on the team. Looking at the Giants roster and trying to figure out like, you know, who their core pieces are, who is one player on the Giants that you would love to have? on Washington. In other words, steal a player from us, Marty. Yeah. And and, uh, truthfully, we didn't even have to steal him at this point. Let's go back to April. Let's reverse the card of Emmanuel Forbes and take Deontay Banks. They're there at 13. It it just made too much sense. Local guy from Maryland. He could have been a plug and play there. It just seems like he has a little bit more of that NFL ability if you look at the Bills last week, Deontay Banks primarily guarded Stefan Diggs, six targets, two catches for 12 yards. He played awesome. Emmanuel Forbes against Stefan Diggs, I'll say it, I don't want to, but 13 targets, eight catches for 111 yards. So just in that small sample size, we can already tell that there might be a little bit more upside with Banks. Again, wouldn't even have to steal him if we just went back to April. But right now we have to, and I'm stealing Deontay Banks, and you guys can have Emmanuel Forbes. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, who are you stealing from Washington? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, honestly, I know we were just talking about our wide receiver core, but Scary Terry would be an amazing addition to thus being in the red zone and just getting down the field. He's fast. He's scary. Um, I, I would love Terry McLaurin. So for me, it came down to two players. The fan in me wants to say Nick Gates, and it would actually make logical sense because of what we have in the interior right now with John right. Michael Schmitz out. But long-term, I would like Montez Sweat, and mm. here's why. Outside of Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz is never healthy. You're looking at Jahad Ward and Boogie Basham, two guys who can't get to the quarterback. They're not legit NFL-caliber edge rushers. We have no depth outside of Kayvon Kayvon Thibodeau. Marty, if you just do a little chip on KT on Sunday, I mean, you're gold. You just got to worry about Dexter Lawrence uh, rushing up the middle. So I want Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is exactly who, again, he fits that Cameron Curl mold, does his job. He's there every single week. I uh, can't say that for everybody on our defense. High motor guy, free agent again this season. Not sure about his future in Washington. So you guys might have the opportunity to steal him in free agency here in a few months. We'll see. We will see. Let's talk about our keys to the game. There's a lot coming up. On Sunday, pivotal divisional game, especially for the Giants at one and five. Um, right now, Marty, as far as Washington, <laughs> apologies about that. Though I got a little excited. Um, as far as Washington goes, what is one of your biggest keys? I know we've talked about several different aspects already, but what's one thing that if Washington 
doesn't do this, they're not going to win the game. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said before, one of the biggest aspects is turnovers. If we can create one, we have a very good chance to win this ball game. But looking at a different aspect of it is uh, getting Brian Robinson involved. The guy is coming off of last year, getting shot in the leg, coming back, and he looks fantastic when um, he's getting it going. Last week, he didn't really have his best game. Uh, Atlanta's front was giving our front some troubles. But prior to even the games that we lost to the Buffalo Bills, he had 10 carries for 70 yards. Uh, the guy is a bowling ball and love to see him get a little bit more involved in the run game, especially against the New York Giants. Try to, you know, just set that control on the line. And that's going to be a big key other than the turnover is how much can Brian Robinson be effective in between the tackles. And Sam, what about you here for – the Giants, what's one or two things that they have to do in order to beat Washington? I do agree with yours, Marty, by the way. 31 rushing yards last week. It's not going to cut it. No. Yeah, I I would say going off of what Marty said about the turnovers and how there's a a possibility Tyrod Taylor is going to be playing again. You know, we're working with this kind of patchy offensive line. You know, put a lot of our energy into making sure that Tyrod not only – doesn't get sacked, but has the time to navigate the defense and throw the ball effectively because we don't need him, you know, getting spooked, getting panicked and, and turning the ball over because as Marty said, like that's a big way that these commanders are, are winning games. Um, And so I think on that side of the ball, we just got to give whoever it is that's going to be under center, give them the time, uh, give them a moment to, to assess the defense and make smart and, accurate throws yeah i mean last season you look at what Payne, allen and sweat all did Payne had 11 and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position um allen had seven and a half sweat had eight i mean and including chase young all four of those guys are former first round picks um i believe the commanders marty you can um confirm this stat here tied for fifth most sacks in the national football league through six weeks Yep, currently, yeah, Montez Sweat's leading the charge there. He's having a great year. Again, we could be number one, number two, if Chase Young can start to complete getting there. He's winning. He's just not finishing. And like you mentioned there before, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, the Alabama wall, as we like to call them here in D.C., just great players on the front, high-energy, high-motor guys. And uh, take one play off against them, uh, somebody could get hurt. Yeah, for me specifically, I want to see how much the Giants can pressure Sam Howell because oddly enough, folks, if you're a Giants fan watching this right now, this stat might surprise you. Sam Howell has been sacked more times than Daniel Jones. <laughs> Sam Howell has been sacked 34 times. Um, and Not great. Yeah, I, I know Dexter Lawrence is very familiar with Nick Gates and his blocking concepts, but the other way around as well. Nick Gates will likely know exactly what's coming from Dexter Lawrence. So I'm very excited to see that matchup. And to be honest, Marty, this is sad to say, I think if the Giants get any pressure, it's coming straight up the middle, right where Sam Howell can see it. Uh, So I I, I do think he's having an advantage there. Um, Hopefully I'm wrong though. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. And then for you guys, I think Washington just converting in the red zone because the the Giants, they've done a good job forcing teams to kick field goals. You know, the defense is very middle of the pack right now. Last week and the week prior, they looked like a potential fringe top 10 defense the last couple weeks. So I think they're coming a long way. Problem is the offense is the worst in the league, maybe second worst outside of New England. Yeah, we've got the 31st scoring offense against the 30th scoring defense in the league and the Commanders and Giants. So what's going to give? <laughs> we've got two of the worst on each side. Uh, somebody, somebody's got to win this one, and somebody's got to win that battle. So it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, and I hope we see more base this week. I don't know, Marty, you guys like to run three receiver sets out there. Yes. Yep. Three okay. receiver sets uh, with, uh, with one good tight end and Logan Thomas. If you do see two, 
counting it being a run. Right. Because, I mean, the Giants last couple weeks, they went out, they signed Ashawn Robinson in free agency, haven't used him that much um, due to a lot of nickel concepts, you know. So a lot of less base stuff. But quickly here, Marty, we'll start with you as the guest. Two players to watch for Washington and then one or two for the Giants. Yeah. So first, first uh, offensive side for the commanders would be Jihad Dotson. We just talked about him. Red zone threat. Giants, as you say, very good in the red zone. Love to see him come alive here, get a few targets, maybe get him into a rhythm early on and just build that confidence back up because it's just not there. Defensively, again, for the commanders, Deron Payne in the middle, as you said, got some shakeup there. Justin Pugh off the couch. We'll see if he can handle Deron Payne, uh, an all-pro type defensive tackle. For the Giants, uh, we're looking at two players, one on the offensive side, and that's Saquon Barkley. Uh, we got to know where he is at all times. Uh, he, he strikes fear. Um, he still does, I believe, in the passing game and the running game. He's going to be able to get into his lanes and get yards. We're just going to have to try to limit them as much as we can. And then on the defensive side, for us, um, I think we should focus on that on Kayvon Thibodeau as well. Big Sunday night matchup last year, 2022. He had a sack fumble recovery for a touchdown, uh, which altered the game uh, tremendously. So let's make sure that we can chip on the corners. I can already tell you the Giants will probably have five-plus sacks. That's just how it goes for us. Um, but let's make sure those sacks are just sacks and not sack fumble touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I'm thinking about that play last year now that you said that. The uh, mm-hmm. the Thibodeau Sunday night football touchdown. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Sam, how about you here on, on this one? Yeah, I'm going to have to say um, on the commander side of things, um, I mean, we were just talking about how, how well Cameron Curl has been and how he's been excelling. So, obviously, with – this line and we don't know who's going to be under center. It's going to be kind of a little crazy. So definitely looking at somebody like him, uh, I'll even throw Nick Gates in there. Cause you know, we, we, you were saying it before, uh, you know, kind of seeing how that dynamic works out. Dexter Lawrence, Nick Gates, just kind of seeing where, you know, if they're going to be able to read each other, if they're going to kind of throw him a curveball here and there. Um, and on the giant side, I'm going to throw Bobby O, Bobby O'Karake, just because I want to make sure that that what we saw last week is continuing on this week, you know, that it wasn't just like kind of like this, you know, small one game situation. I want to see him performing exactly how he was on Sunday Night Football against the Bills, especially up against, a, you know, this offense where we could be sacking and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and I'll say I don't know who it's going to be. Whoever's under center, Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor, Tommy DeVito, whoever it is, got to make sure <laughs> that they know what they're doing there. Okay. I like it. For me, um, starting with Washington, again, Montez Sweat is big for me. Four and a half sacks, six tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. He could potentially be a game-changing player on Sunday. And if Evan Neal plays, which right now, Marty, we might be without – not just Andrew Thomas, but Evan Neal as well. So you'd be going straight off the couch at left tackle, and then you'd be going probably Tyree Phillips, who's straight off of waivers at right tackle. So there you go. That's, uh, I think, uh, a wishbone right there, safe to say. (laughs) Um, I'm excited for – not excited on my hand, but excited to see how Sweat performs offensively for Washington. Sam Howell deserves a lot of credit. He really does. Um, I know a lot of people talk about coaching and what the enemies brought to the table, but let's give the kid a lot of credit. What he's done, despite being sacked 34 times, he's still thrown for 1,500 yards. Um, he's done a solid job. You know, Charles Leno isn't bad. He's a veteran. Um, you know, you have Cosme, who I think is one of the better of the worst on that offensive line, I think that the, the biggest problems for Washington are Shadiq Charles and Andrew Wiley. Um, you know, Nick Gates is kind of hot and cold. You can confirm that, Marty, but 
Yo, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. saying anything we don't know here as a fan base. Yeah, Wiley brought over from the Chiefs from Eric Bieniemy. Thought that'd be a pretty solid signing, but uh, he has been on ice skates out there and uh, <laughs> hoping that we get some t- tight ends, chips because we know Thibodeau's definitely going to be on that side. And um, Isaiah Simmons as well. I kind of forgot about him. That's probably our second pass rusher that'll be going after the QB. Isaiah Simmons, huge acquisition from the Cardinals. But, yeah, so those are my two for Washington, Howell and Sweat for the Giants. Um, I really think Dexter Lawrence going up against Nick Gates, uh, Shadik Charles and Sam Cosme up the middle there is going to play a huge factor in this game. Can he get to Sam Howell? Can he get in his face? Um, Offensively, I think Darren Waller is the guy to watch for the Giants. Um, You know, Barkley is a guy that I really like as well, whoever's quarterback, of course. But Darren Waller is the X factor for this offense. He has 110 yards after catch so far, 28 catches on the year, yet to score a touchdown. And I think with how well he played in the second half against Buffalo – fingertips away from pulling off the upset of the season so far, I think, with any team in the NFL, um, considering how low of an underdog the Giants were on Sunday night. We have to look at Darren Waller and say, regardless of who's playing quarterback, this guy can move the chains, keep the Giants on the field on third and intermediate, third and long, feature him in the offense on Sunday. So that's our players to watch. Injury report quickly. Marty, I think you're going to like this. Um, Well, not for the players, but for your chances of winning. (laughs) Um, Four offensive linemen did not practice today, Sam. Why don't we roll over here who did not practice today? All righty. As I get my paper out, as usual, read off this. Actually, not as bad as last week, I, I will last say. Was it, was, it was like a novel <laughs> last week. Um, but we got Evan Neal with an ankle injury, did not participate. Andrew Thomas, as we know, hamstring, did not participate. Um, John Michael Schmitz with his shoulder, did not participate. Matt Pert with a shoulder, did not participate. And Wandale Robinson, wide receiver, uh, with a knee, did not participate. A lot, lot shorter this week, though, must say. But it's three starting offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, and, Marty, before we get to our game predictions, I want to ask you about Kendall Fuller. Uh, what do you know about this injury? I know he has two picks on the year. He did not practice today with a knee. Mm-hmm. What is his status, do you think, heading into this Week 7 game? It was a strange pop-up on the injury report. Uh, he finished the game in Atlanta. Didn't seem to have any issues there. Played great. Uh, hoping that it's just a, a veteran rest. A uh, little nervous there because you know he's due to miss a two or three a game, uh, two or three a year. He's done that since he's been with us. Uh, he has been playing great football for us. Uh, Pro Football had him on the All Pro first quarter team and he has been playing that well so having him out there at 70 or 80 percent is the best thing we've got and we need that if he's not out there at all uh that really exposes our back end with Forbes on the bench we're going to be playing the likes of Danny Johnson and Castro Field Tyreek Castro Fields two guys that you know shouldn't be on the field consistently I don't, I don't know who that second one is, not going to lie. Um, yep, he was a draft pick from the 49ers from Penn State, fifth rounder. They waved him. We picked him up last year. Just a, just a guy, uh, special teamer, but uh, getting some defensive snaps with Forbes struggles. Okay, so <laughs> hopefully for Washington's sake, Fuller is active on Sunday. Uh, finally, here are game predictions. Marty, will start with you, then we'll go to Sam. And then myself, uh, again, this is a game that, honestly, it's a coin flip game. Could go either way, as usual, because of how how tough this rivalry is. I want to start with you here. Who do you think's winning, and what is your final score prediction? So I swear, I come on this show for about almost two seasons now. I pick the commanders to win, give a great reason why, and we flop. Um, I believe right now we are the better team, I think, that the Giants will come out and play good. I'm hanging my hat on the Giants being in a dogfight last week. Very emotional game. 
bad call at the end, uh, very physical. A lot of folks are familiar. Brian Dayball, a lot of players know each other, love each other. It was a very emotional game. I'm hoping that that actually leads to a giant letdown here and they come out a little bit slow. We're able to get up just enough and coast like we did against the Atlanta Falcons. Commanders win 20-14. to 14. All right. All right. But for the record, every time that I say we win on this show, we pretty much lose <laughs> or tie. So for Giants fans, be happy with my prediction. <laughs> I forgot about the tie last year. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's uh, I feel like, though, every time we pick the Giants, they lose. So this will be <laughs> a little fun counter here because I am going Giants in this game. You know, it is a divisional game. Like you said, we're coming off of that crazy game, um, which I saw a lot of good things come out of. And, you know, the Giants do this terrible thing where they give me hope. And so I, <laughs> it's running through my veins right now. So I have a very similar score prediction to Marty. I'm going 21 to 17 Giants here. Um, and hopefully, you know, w- one of these curses will break unless it's a tie. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And we saw that last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, not to be that show where the fan of each team picks their team, but I did say this year going in that the Giants would beat Washington at home. Um, I'm going to stick with that and pick New York here, but I'm not too confident in those things I said earlier on the show. So I won't be shocked if it goes either way. I think if Daniel Jones plays, the Giants have a better shot because Daniel Jones has a lot of success against Washington. But I do think if Tyrod Taylor starts, there is still a good chance, I think, with the commanders. The biggest thing for me is can they get Brian Robinson going to help out Sam Howell You know, with some play-action bootlegs? Can they get the ball down the field to Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel? You know, That's going to be key for me. I think with what we saw on Sunday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills is that the Giants are up to that task right now. So I'm going to go a low-scoring game, 1990s style, uh, Giants 17-13 final score for me. I will be in, in attendance as well. If I wasn't in attendance, well, let's just say there might be a different result there, folks, because I'm not as confident as most Giants fans right now in this game. But that's our predictions. We're all very low-scoring here. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see both offenses generating a lot here on Sunday and just looking to fight and survive for a week. Both of us, it should be a good game as always. Uh, enjoy playing the Giants and looking forward to it on Sunday. Absolutely. Marty, I want to thank you so much. Um, would like for you to plug yourself quick. I know you don't do intercept your lunch anymore, but uh, where can people find you and your work, your, you know, people want to find you and your sports takes yes so uh we we are still doing sport takes on facebook it's intercept your lunch our old show we'll we'll pop on once in a while and do guest appearances with folks like you and and talk commander football but if you'd like to follow me on twitter it's at int underscore your underscore lunch awesome marty thank you so much appreciate your time Wish you the best of luck on Sunday. Not too much luck, but the best of luck. And hoping that it's a great game overall. We appreciate your time, Marty. Yes. Thank you both. Uh, go Commanders. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. Awesome, Marty. Thank you so much. That was Marty Joins. I believe he's still living in Pennsylvania, but I could be wrong. Um, David Yates with a comment from across the pond. Evening, guys. Hope you're all well. Not the season we'd hope for, but we still stand strong. Of course, David. We miss you, buddy. We miss you. Very excited to have you commenting on the show. Uh, quick comment here. Yeah, there. <laughs> my dad admitting that the Bills are the only true New York team. <laughs> I guess right I now he's correct. Um, yeah, so. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, watching tonight. Sam, any final thoughts, words of wisdom to the folks before we head into week seven? I mean, 
I just hope it's another good game. I hope that you being in attendance, it's a good game for you as well, paying for tickets and all that good stuff. Um, but I'd like to think that this will be, you know, this divisional game where, you know, it might be a little back and forth. You know, we did say low scoring, but hopefully it's a, you know, defensive stop, you know, kind of deal. So I, I really just, again, hope for good games. And uh, But a win this week would be pretty nice to see. So I'm hoping that that's what we're going to have. Would love to get some winning momentum heading into the games against the Jets and the Raiders to try to take it one game at a time and try to get back close to that 500 mark and get back in the mix of things. But, folks, if you you have any questions or comments or anything you want to talk to us about, feel free to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube where we post weekly content and sometimes a little more, on Big Blue Avenue. That's Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. Love all our fans. Appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight and commenting. On behalf of Sam Cardona, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. You've been watching Big Blue Avenue. Let's go Giants. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue